This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. We are so lucky today. Sitting in my hot seat is Diego Salza, and he is the Chief Information Security Officer, the CISO of Cummins, which has over 9,000 locations worldwide. We're talking about a company that makes power and energy work for all of us. Diego, I'm so honored to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate to be here, Gary, with you and looking forward to this conversation. I'm, I'm sure people will enjoy what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and speaking of which, with so many viewers and listeners on Cyber Defense TV and radio, a lot of them are also in your shoes or want to be in your shoes one day in an in a IT security or CISO role. What's it like in an organization so big? I think the CISO role is evolving a lot, right? So if you think about the CISO role maybe 10 years ago, really aligned to the IT organization, driving purely cybersecurity uh, matters. Today, it's more about risk management, right? So we drive business risk. And that's how I kind of do my day-to-day -day job is really making sure understanding all the different risks the business is facing from different angles, not only IT. You think about the compliance piece, now you have the supply chain piece, which adds, adds other elements of uh, security on the business side. So for people that are looking forward to be on this type of job, I would say my suggestion, my advice is start to look into more a business risk lens instead of only cyber. So learn the financial aspect, learn the, 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 the supply chain aspect. So really be more into the business and understand how the business operates. So then you can understand the risk for each one of those elements of the business and bring back to the cyberspace and how do you address that from a cyber angle? That's amazing advice. Now, business risk includes, of course, people and people can be employees, consultants, contractors. And as you said, very interesting, supply chain risk seems to be a very hot issue this year. Can we just talk about that for a few minutes? I think it's, uh, we, we are seeing a big change, right? From a supply chain standpoint and the relationship with suppliers is just growing, right? So we, we leverage suppliers and, and partners to, to build up parts for us, which are critical. So we need to make sure they are at the same level of security standards that we are, right? So because you're not only sharing data, you're sharing access, you're sharing system controls with them. So we need to make sure when we are working those partners and, and suppliers, we have the minimum security requirements in place for them to work with us. Um, because as you see, and as we know, the attackers or the threat actors, they will always look for the weak link. And if you have a supplier, if you have a vendor that are not at the same level of standards that you are, for sure the attackers are not looking at you. They're gonna be looking at your suppliers and try to use them as the jump server, and I'm putting this way, to get into your environment and then compromise your system. So supplier security, even customer security is becoming very important nowadays. Now, when you go to suppliers, do you say, are you using maturity model? Are you using NIST standard? Are there things you ask them for that helps you? You know, is there a checklist for risk to help you understand where they where they actually are in the in their level of cybersecurity? Because today there's not yet a standard to say, you know, it's like your FICO score for your credit card. What's the FICO score? What's the, the risk score of this business entity that I'm working with? And this is a fantastic question, uh, Gary, because we have different ways to measure, right? The efficiency of the cybersecurity programs on our suppliers. 
Uh, one is looking into certifications they may have in place. Think about the ISO 27000 or they have some SOC 2 uh, certifications that in place that help us to, to understand your level of maturity. But also we do use some external tools to help us to understand from an external angle their level of security in terms of their uh, internet facing vulnerabilities, let me put it this way. And then we have our internal capabilities from one, making sure language in the contracts that enforces cybersecurity, that's very important. Two, we have specific questionnaires that we send over to them asking for secured programs, secured control they have in place. And not only asking, we show, uh, we ask them to show proof of those controls that we do the test of control and test of design of the control, right? So that's important to us. So that, those are the different elements we use here, the combination of them give us like a, let me say, a good view of where they are on their cyber programs, and then we feel comfortable or not in sharing or connecting to those. What's interesting too, Diego, is Cummins has probably been doing total quality control or an ISO 9000 kind of spinoff thing for years, because you have to produce products that work and operate in the field flawlessly for a very long period of time. It is, right? And I don't think it's only a Cummings issue, right? If you think about large manufacturing is right, right out there. Everyone is building software on top of the hardware, right? So when you think about Cummings, oh, diesel engine components, right? Now you're putting software on top of that. So the communication between the engine back to our, uh, our systems to do all the analytics and then send back to the, to the customer, those things are actually adding risk to the, to the product life cycle. So we need to make sure we look not only from the cyber angle, but the product angle as well. So making sure on the design of the product, we have secured embed in the DNA of the engineering's mind when they are producing those engines and they are producing the product. So they make sure security is considered when they are developing the softwares that will be controlling the product, as well as the hardware piece that we need to, to include some maybe physical secured controls and software secured controls. So if my power goes out at my ISP or there's some serious risk, you guys are the generator company that keeps the lights on. And you're saying that that system now is so complex, it's not just a piece of hardware that just kicks on. We're talking about turning it into kind of an, an IoT device? Yeah, I think we can put it that way actually, right? So, and the reason why we, we are trying to include technology on top of the product, I mean, software on top of the product can help us to to do a better job to our customers right think about predictive maintenance or remote um, evaluation of the capacity or change in the parameters of the of the product so basically that is becoming iot that we need to protect right because we are delivering experience to our customers because we are able to connect get access tell them when they need to replace a part or something like that but at the same time, we are adding another element of connectivity to our systems back in our house that we need to protect. So definitely an IoT. That's amazing. So we've talked about business risk, which you've given great advice on, and actually uh, turning, uh, turning hardware into you know, a combination of hardware software solutions that can be accessible on the internet. Uh, and you've talked about the software development lifecycle, including hardening of software, which is so important. Um, do, you, do you think the computer science field 
is is gun shy to you know cybersecurity training has always been some new thing. Get your master's in cyber defense or cybersecurity, but when you're writing code, you know they don't have a programmers 101 security coding class that I've seen yet. It hasn't been integrated yet into the computer science departments. And that's an inter interesting observation, actually, Gary. I think we we need to evolve as well uh, the computer science. Uh, subject so that we can include those elements we need to people that not only knows how to code but they need to understand the security components when on when they are coding right so we have seen most of the large incidents on software is because of vulnerability on the code right so we are in 2022 and we still hear about cross-site scripting sql injection which sounds like it's basic but still out there right because people still learn how to do coding, but they are not learning how to really understand security when doing coding. So internally here at Cummings, we do specific trainings for the developers that can help to help them to understand the security elements when they're coding on top of all the scanning and everything we do. But I think for, for the market and for the universities outside, we need to include those topics on the curriculum to make sure that not only becoming a good program coding, person, but also a good coding with security mindset, because there are so many demands uh, of, of great developers out right out there. And we need to make sure we build those people with that capacity. I agree. And I hope the universities and we partner with numerous universities, we even do a scholarship for young women in cyber. I hope they're listening and watching and say, you know what, this might be a nice thing to add to the curriculum, security software coding 101, yeah. 102, all the way through. And not only on the coding piece, right? Think about the overall IT infrastructure, secure architect, network security, right? So I, I remember when I was in, in my college time, university time, learning about foundation of IT, there was nothing about security. It was always about plugging cables, the network, all the, the TCP IP protocols and, and layers of the TCP IP, but there was no specific I'd say topics to talk about the secure elements of a network, secure elements of architecture, secure elements of uh, development. So I think this is a miss. I have seen some movement in some universities to include those topics on the curriculum, but I believe we're still far away from that. Absolutely, with cybercrime over a trillion dollars and growing, bigger than drug crime worldwide, the largest form of crime is packets and payload, right? They just do it remotely from some location over the internet. And I'm curious with Cummins being such a large organization, you have so many employees who probably work remotely and in all different offices around the globe. Has that really uh, taxed the VPN technology that you've used? And you know, are you finding the need for strong IAM, identity and access management and other new things based on this whole flip to SaaS, you know, everything's software in the cloud? Uh, yes. So if you think about when you have a large organization where over 40,000 people may have the ability to work from home, you need to take in consideration those elements. So access is the new perimeter in my view. So it, no matter where you are, is who you are. So making sure I can validate the employee before he connects to my system, no matter where, how, right? They are connecting to me. So BYOD, mode factor authentication, all those elements factors into my program nowadays. So. It's, it's, I know the zero trust approach, it's a very fancy uh, and, and buzzword out there, but it's, it's really true, right? We need to make sure we build the trust when people are connecting. 
So are you connecting to the place you normal, normally connect? If not, what are the extra steps of validation to make sure Diego is connecting, right? So profiling my employees to understand if they are really the ones connecting. I think it's this is the future, right? I think VPN is a old solution, right? So you're going to still have VPN for specific things, but everything is now is cloud-based. Everything is everywhere. So you need to make sure you have security as a component no matter where. So if you think about from a cyber standpoint, we are shifting from this traditional network security to a more endpoint security. So we are moving from protecting the, the, the network to protecting the endpoint because this is where you have most of the actions happening, right? So MFA, host-based protection, validation, so on and so on. We're going to have the traditional the network security program, right? IPSs and IDSs, but we are really shifting into the endpoint because that's where the validation needs to happen. So who is connecting to me, why and from where? That makes so much sense. I'm just curious too on that. Have you looked into the MITRE attack framework and, and have you leveraged that uh, just as an understanding of what they're going after on your endpoints? So we use that here internally. My operations team definitely use that as a, as a framework to, to work. Right now, there is a, a war happening and there are so much, uh, I would say, actions happening behind the scenes where threat actors are looking for trying to disrupt uh, operation technologies, right? In my case, I'm a manufacturing. So a biggest impact for us would be operational impact. So there are some nuances of that happening, but also you see some other activities in terms of people trying to find intellectual property, trying to find um, PII data because no, those things have prices and the deep web. So they want to sell that, those information. We have seen actually all the different elements. It depends from where those attacks are coming from and the purpose behind the attack. Do you feel um, at the people level, it, it's really a cultural thing where it's not just a once a quarter, you know, fishing test and a little bit of training, but it's really a cultural, we have to get our cultures, our, our, the people in our organizations to realize the value of cybersecurity, that it's not only to keep their job, but to keep the lights on and to keep the hackers out. Everybody's, everybody's on the cybersecurity team now, it seems. So the way I talk to my leaders here is that cybersecurity is everybody's job. It's not only for the cybersecurity organization. Therefore, we need to build security into the DNA of this company. Cyber should be in the DNA of any company, it should be part of the culture of the company, because at the end of the day, you're protecting the values and you're protecting the business. For us, it's really about not only the awareness, but creating empathy to the topic. So how do you create a personal touch when you talk to the employees. So it so sometimes it's very boring for the employees or to the to the end user when you have to talk about, oh, you're protecting the comments, components, the data, and blah, blah, blah. So they they get it. But when you create the empathy that's listening, if you do that, you're helping yourself and you're helping the company. So think about the personal side of this story. Like, can you imagine, for instance, somebody taking your social security number and then trying to issue a tax report in your name? Right, so this is the, the impact on your personal life. This is exactly what would happen to us if something gets compromised. So you create that connection. So it's much easier for them to understand. This is how we are shifting the culture here. And I'll be honest to you, it's working very well. And phishing is still a big play on this, right? Phishing tests still a big play on this. We test every single employee every single month. Diego, that's great advice to really create that bridge to, to have 
human empathy because people, a lot of people think, hey, it's just my day job. But mm -hmm. if my day job gets ruined the way my social security or credit could be ruined by a, you know, an identity attack to me personally, now I start to understand you know, and feel for my business, which is a lot of people don't have that empathy until you, you create that bridge. So I think that's brilliant advice. And think about that, right? So sometimes when we are trying to deploy a solution, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about companies, I'm talking about any company, right? So let's say you wanna deploy mood factor authentication and sounds like it's a disruption process. You're disrupting the process for the employees. You're kind of damaging the employee experience. But that only is, this is only for the, the business side. But when they go to the personal life, they use MFA so many different times, like bank accounts and everything. So if you're able to make those connections, say, listen, you're doing that today on bankings. You're doing that today for other systems you use in your personal life. We are just, we are just trying to bring that stuff into the, the business side as well, that we can protect you and the company. So it, it makes the story a little bit easier. So in my view, cyber is always about the storytelling to make sure you create the empathy. Well, one of the old stories is Willie Sutton, the bank robber, who they asked him, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. Yep. And, you know, banks have always been on the forefront of cyber because they've got local state auditors, the FDIC, you know, the $250,000 protection on accounts that would go away if a bank isn't as secure as they need to be. So they've been doing MFA and other things and zero trust. They've been on the bleeding edge. And we can learn a lot from the banks. And I, and I think um, your point is, on a personal level, we go through that every day because our bank doesn't want to lose money and they don't want to lose our money or lose us as a customer. Exactly. So we want to just make sure we, we leverage the good stories out there to bring that same story inside. And then it, it, it makes easier for the end user to understand why we are doing those, right? Because as the bank, they don't want to lose business. They don't want to lose money. We don't want to. And if you think about what's going on right now on the industrial sector, ransomware is the biggest stuff, right? So about uh, disrupting their operations. And we need to make sure we, they understand that that is very impactful for the company from a revenue standpoint, from an operational standpoint. So doing those things that they have seen outside on your personal life will help us to prevent those big stuff happening on our side as well. Again, great advice. Diego, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners today? Gary, I think it was a fantastic conversation. I think my advice to anyone watching us right now is make sure you have that uh, curiosity to understand more about the business side and understand the different risk aspect of your business because it's not only about IT, it's about your supplier, it's about your legal aspects so remember the language that you need to include in the contract when you're putting some some stuff with some vendors and suppliers uh, make sure you get that feeling about where the business is going to and how can i support the business and how can i enable business to do what they want to do through security i think that's my advice so be very vigilant for sure but also have the curiosity to learn about the business and the potential risk the business face outside it Again, great advice. Folks, you heard it here today from Diego Sousa, the Chief Information Security Officer of Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S.com. I'm sure you've heard of Cummins and uh, they're going to be around for a long time. A great company, a great CISO, great advice. And then come back next time for another exciting episode. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode.
CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski. <laughs> 